check right there. Yo, you, are you there, man? I'm here. Is you, are you still got the beard? It's my, yo, it, enough about me. It's Dave Gladding, my co-host. My co-host, Dave Gladding. He's got the beard. He's got the glasses. He's got all the demos. Give him a round of applause. How you doing, Dave? Welcome back. Yo, I'm doing great. Me too. I was doing some. Uh, I was doing some work on the house. I got a, a step that was broken in mm. my uh, in my upstairs. No way, it's dangerous. And I got to tell you, after uh, I think a solid month of working on it, <laughs> it's in worse shape than it was when I started. So uh, I'm doing good. It's all right because you could just tell your wife you're working on it. That's it, man. Working on it, man. Um, do you go to Home Depot? Or do you have like a neighborhood, like a quaint neighborhood uh, store? I do have, I do have a neighborhood, uh, uh, hardware store that I go to. I, I prefer to go to, but um, I actually, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have both Lowe's and Home Depot mm. within like very close proximity to my house. So I, I, <clears throat> I prefer Lowe's because the, uh, the Home Depot is like a, just a hot mess. Yeah, because all like like a. Uh, uh, contractors and stuff but allegedly like, allegedly you need to go to both depending on what you need yeah there's a variety of uh places here in huntington station i yes you gotta you gotta know what you're going for man you gotta you gotta know know when to hold them and know when to fold them man depending where you are um in the words of a great american poet i by the way i'm big will aka uncle buck in case anybody cares heavy whole podcasts i just i'm just glad i'm glad i got a loyal guy like dave um, Dave, I'll see you at rehearsal this week for Reeking Aura. We're looking forward to it. We're giving you a gentleman's one rehearsal before we hit the road. It's like a just just that's like a third is how many rehearsals I need to be ready. So <laughs> it'll be great. That's no way near as many rehearsals. I've been re- I've been with Afterbirth for like seven years. I'm still waiting to be ready, man. I've been rehearsing with them a long time. I'm waiting to get my my card punched. It's, it's, it's exhilarating, you know that that feeling of just being like completely unsure of what you're doing. Yeah, but you I, still get pushed out on stage the same way. Yeah, like in the old cartoons, like they just shove you out on stage, and you're like, "Well, uh, uh, I don't." And then all of a sudden, you do like a five minute musical number, just off the off, off and the then cuff. The, then the hook comes from the other side and grabs you. Yeah, that's that's usually that's that's Fergus. That's that, no, let's not go there. Um, listen. We talked a lot. We talked about this wide, beautiful country of ours, getting things done. Uh, we talked about, um, what were you talking about? The step was broken. I watched, Watch your step there uh, when you're talking to my buddy Jason Dalkey of Left to Rot from Austin, Texas, man. He's going to tell us a little bit about his background. Uh, he's not just a guitarist and vocalist of a uh, completely brutal death metal band. We're going to talk about speed running video games and maybe even the great uh, Polar North. from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Jason Dalkey, guitarist and vocalist of Left to Rot, based out of Austin, Texas. Did I get all that right, sir? Yes, sir. 
Well, welcome to Heavy Hole Podcast, man. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, I appreciate you, Will. Yeah, dude. I know you're you're hard at work. Um, you're you're between shifts or you're on your break, whatever. So we're gonna go right into it, Heavy Hole Podcast style. Are you from a particularly musical family? Musicians in your family? Anyone that got you into hard rock and heavy metal growing up? Man, in my immediate family, there is nothing. Like I'm the only person that plays music. We've always had an interest in music, but like my sister played clarinet in fourth grade. That's about it. But yeah, outside of that, I have nobody that does anything. So it was always kind of weird me just growing up and getting into stuff and not really having a basis in my family for anything, you know. But when I was like 13, my sister's husband was a metalhead. And so he played guitar and he kind of got me into, you know, just learning how to play power chords, got me on some ACDC tip. And then from there, it was just pantera slayer like kind of your typical metalhead stuff getting me into playing guitar sounds sounds like a, a somewhat typical suburban metalhead beginning going on there you remember the type of guitar like what was your, what was the first guitar you really learned how to play on so the the very first guitar i ever picked up he had a purple metallic jackson dinky <laughs> and i learned how to play the intro to acdc's hell's bells and then my 13th birthday, because my like I said, my family's not musical, so my parents were like, eh, we don't really want loud music and guitar happening all the time. So my sister and brother-in-law bought me a 1986 Made in Japan Squire Stratocaster and a little Fender practice amp, and that was like the first thing I cut my teeth on. Nice. Okay, I like it, man. Classy, man. That's a, a taste, tasteful beginnings, man. <laughs> so, um, I like obviously we we get a good feel there for where the hard rock and the metal come in and that sort of thing. Where do you start taking an interest in in things that are maybe a little bit more extreme or more underground than like what's readily accessible? That you know, I mean, you talked about Pantera and Slayer. That's a good road. Where where do things kick it up a notch? Yeah. So. My older sister, who happened to be married to him, um, she's five years older than me. So I got a lot of musical influence and taste from her. And it kind of started with, like I said, Pantera, Slayer, a lot of Danzig, a lot of White Zombie, like kind of that 90s like groove type of stuff was where she sat in. And then when like dudes kind of started coming around the house when she was later in high school, they started bringing like some more underground stuff. So started seeing the cannibal corpses coming in and at first i really was not a fan to be honest it was just like i mean i'm like 11 years old so i'm like damn this is heavy it's way too much for me and then probably two years later i started to hear like carcass and it was like okay i'm starting to vibe on this and really understand what the hell is going on and it was just like a downward spiral from there once once you hit high school and start like smoking weed with your buddies and just riffing and hanging out, it was just like whatever we can get a hold of, man, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. I know the tale, man. It's um, it's funny. All right, so you always, uh, always from the from Texas in general. Always from that area, Texas. You're, you're in now, or no? Actually, so I grew up in Alaska, and uh, oh. Oh, okay, <laughs> like. I'm so, I'm sorry I left because you left that out. I'm going to have a few questions. <laughs> yeah, man. I uh <clears throat> I was born and raised in Alaska. I've been in Texas for like 10 years. Um okay. but yeah, so I grew up in North Pole, Alaska actually. All right, liter literally no no joke from the North Pole. 
Yeah, like Santa Claus house down the road from where I grew up. Like, no joke. Well, this is interesting because I've um, this is like inadvertently territory that I've wanted to cover. You know, you know, with the podcast, it's kind of a mixture of like my friends, my local people. And then I try to get far reaching every once in a while. Um, So maybe just, you know, obviously you're not the Alaskan ambassador, but give me a little taste of like what it was like. I mean, what it really people have this idea that it's very remote, that you don't have access to much. What was it like where you grew up in contrast to popular uh, um, perception? I mean, that's not too far off from how it is. It's very DIY there. So excuse me. If you want to do anything and you want to make stuff happen, like there's nobody there to really do it for you. So when you start building up a scene, when you want to play shows, when you're a kid, like you just do it because there is no basis for, you know, down here, you grow up in Austin, you grow up in Dallas is like, you have this history of bands that are just doing the thing. You kind of can follow in the track that's been laid before you, but Alaska's history particularly with metal is like really hit or miss but i grew up in a really great time where the scene was popping kids were hungry we were all like into really good heavy shit and people were playing shows like uh there's this band turbid north that is based out of dallas right now so those guys were childhood friends of mine growing up in north pole and it was just like the metal heads conglomerating and making things happen but yeah man it was just like i'm i'm kind of old so it was like pre-internet days so it was definitely just you know looking at liner notes and records to get influence we were listening to a lot of like chimera back then and of course like slayer even like haunted six feet under era stuff like we were really into that more like kind of mainstream death metal at the time because it was hard to be part of a really underground scene because it just didn't come up there so the stuff we're the concerts we're getting is like godsmack you know during their like heyday would come up like that'd be the one show that we got in town for the whole year or like megadeth came up one summer ozzy came up one summer and that's literally like the only non-local show in the area and there'd be these tales of like, oh, Slayer played in Anchorage in 1996. You should have been there, you know? And it's like, <clears throat> these are the the shows that we get because it's just financially completely irresponsible for a band to tour Alaska. Like, there's no good way to route that in. So you're really kind of stuck to your own devices and just being inspired and influenced by the people around you. Wow. Um so you you actually attended shows while you were still living in Alaska. There were DIY style shows uh, that took place around the area you grew up in. Man, uh, so this is actually crazy. I don't know. Uh, there's some like a big Pacific Northwest and Alaska connection. Yes. So like the band Death Cave, there's this dude, Michael Freiberger, who's from Fairbanks as well. And uh, he's got a record label up there. And like he would put on kind of like guerrilla style shows in like the Safeway parking lot. And we actually connected recently just through like a mutual friend because uh, we were in the scene at the same time, but somehow didn't know each other. Um, but that was all we had was DIY. There was this spot called the Underground. There was like an all ages bar. And there was probably like two or three years where we were going to shows there every single weekend. And they were like 
packed out, man. It was it was a sick time, honestly. Wow. All right. So were you in any you know I do my research here, but but were you in any bands um that you want to speak of uh prior to to left to rot, particularly maybe in Alaska? So oddly enough, like that I mean that's a kind of a long story, honestly, but there was like a, a 10 year period from when I started playing music where I was like actively trying to start a band and it just never worked out. And uh, I mean, I was doing a lot of other things at the time. Like I played sports growing up and I went to college for football and that kind of stuff. So it was really hard for me to commit to being in a band and like put the actual time in yeah. and people kind of recognize that. And so I was just like a part of the scene like really going to a bunch of shows, but never really like being in an established band. Like I played like a one-off show in a band here or there. And then uh, when I was like 24, I started playing drums. And the week I started playing drums, I got into a band and it, it was not a metal band. And that was my first like real band. It was this psychobilly band. And we started like touring and playing shows and doing as much as we could. And then we split when I moved to Texas and I didn't play music for like seven years after that. I just kind of got really disenfranchised and defeated with the whole thing and kind of just did life stuff, got my career going. I'm married. So me and my wife kind of got established and I had some like crazy shit happen in my life that I didn't really know how to process that well. And it kind of brought me back into music and uh, I just started writing tunes and it was like 20 years of me basically like wanting to do what we're doing now and just never really having the balls to do it and just deciding to dive in and go for it. So this is like really my first real metal project. Okay, man, that's a lot of context there. And I want to get <laughs> no, I, I do want to get to. Uh, your band Left to Rot, you're dropping the new EP, uh, Breath of the Tomb. There's a single, Already Dead, that you just dropped like t today. The listeners are going to hear it after, a few days afterwards, obviously, but right. um, they get the picture. Before we before we crack that egg right there, co <laughs> college, you said you played college football? Yeah, yeah. I, play, I mean, it was nothing major. It was like, I did the classic, like, small town, you know, went from football, went went down to Kansas city, Missouri and, and played for a year. And then just, uh, I actually, that was in, uh, 2004 and I saw black Dahlia murder in Kansas city in 2004. And like that show, I just started partying after that. And like basically partied my way out of school. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace to Trevor. I'm sure you'd appreciate that one, man. That's great. Um, uh, it all started with the Black Dahlia murder. Your whole life went down the <laughs> went down the tubes. It's it's funny you say. I was just in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we we performed. Now it's now it's got me uh, off base, man. I can't remember the name of the venue. I want to say it was the Odyssey or something like that, man. I don't. Um, oh, that's in Springfield. That's in Springfield. <laughs> that's in Springfield. So it was the other place. It was a very DIY venue. Um. Uh, okay, man. Well, we'll look that up later. But regardless, um, that, I, I just found that interesting. I'm not so much a football guy. I, I'm I'm here or there with it. But I know you know some of our right. listeners and some of my bandmates. It comes up a lot, so I had to ask you about that. But like you said, there's a lot behind left to rot. Um, you moved to Texas. 
uh, like you said, you kind of uh, rearrange your life. You 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 build on your life. Now you're at this point where you're you're investing time and energy into this band. Tell me how it all comes about now, because now it's like. This is something that I've found over the years, too. I wasn't always in, like, four bands and had different projects right. going on. Like, there were times where I was, like, an awkward 30-something or late 20-something guy trying to jam with people or find a band, and it just was weird, and it didn't work out, man. Like, tell me how it was to navigate being an adult and being like, I want to do this and finding your bandmates, man. Like, like how how do you come, come across your, your bandmates? Man, it yeah, that is such a weird road to... Kind of, to traverse because you're like an old head but not really so you're like in this weird purgatory of not being a young dude but also not being 25 years in the scene playing the same bar every other weekend and people just being like all right dude thanks appreciate it so i also was not a part of the scene here at all because i grew up you know in alaska so i didn't really know anybody i didn't have roots and Texas, as you know, is this very deep, super enriched death metal scene that, you know, everybody knows everybody. And so trying to figure out how to just weasel in there in any way was it was intimidating is a little difficult, but I just kind of this is super heavy, man. I won't go too much into it, but I lost a couple people like really close to me from drug overdoses and shit. And I like had a really hard time processing it. And music was like the only way that I found that really like helped me get like, okay, how am I going to deal with this shit? And then just started like writing music and dealing with it in that way. And it was like, all right, this is what I need. And I had missed it from, you know, being in a band before. And so once I got in, it was just like, yeah, this is, I'm doing it for real this time. And so I had approached my, my drummer. I, I knew him for a while. That's Justin. And uh, him and I actually met <laughs> through uh, playing video games. Like we're both uh, speedrunners, And so uh, we had some mutual friends and stuff like that. And, and we had met like kind of on that tip. And then I knew he was a drummer. He's involved like every drummer in a million different projects in a million different genres. And him and I kind of had a similar story of like, we've been wanting to be in metal bands and just never fully committed at like when you're young in a metal band, there's always the dudes in your scene that are like the best guitar players, the best vocalists, the best drummers. And it seems like they always link up and always form this band that just kicks everyone else's ass. And so if you're not in that band, it's like a rough, rocky road getting involved in the scene and just knowing that you're not going to be that band because they're already there. Mm. And so him and I were in scenes that had that band and we were friends with them. It was like you jam with them and you're just like, fuck, I am never going to play guitar this good. You know, you're 16 and this dude's ripping a Metallica solo and you're like, damn, I just learned how to play a bar chord yesterday. So it's this really weird thing to try to figure out. But after talking with him, and he basically had the same story as me. Like, yeah, we've been wanting to do this for so long. And so we kind of just agreed, hey, man, we're going to forget all the bullshit. We're going to do exactly what we want to do. We're going to push each other. We're going to put out the music that we want to put out. We're not going to put like a label on it. Like this is old school death metal. So we have to follow these tropes. It's like wherever it goes is where it goes. And we're just going to keep pushing it until we can't anymore. 
Um, fair enough, man. Um, a, a lot there, and the the band itself. You said it's old school death metal. You're not really pushing any tropes. It's it's like pretty raw, straight to the point stuff. Um, you, I think you guys are like intentionally kind of maybe slowing things down sometimes, making it more of that like more caveman style of things. Um, tell me about recording. And do I have it right? You recorded most of your material thus far with Slade Williams, Emerging Void Audio. So <laughs> Slade is uh he's based up in Dallas, and we've been tracking stuff ourselves. And then Slade did uh mix and master on our we released a single last year called requiem and then he helped us out with our demo that we did as well um this new stuff uh we also tracked ourselves and then uh this dude nick forkel who's up in dallas he's in he's the singer guitar player in in turbid north he actually ended up mixing and mastering for us okay man do you do that you just got an interesting question man because i'm you said the band is I'm sorry, is it Turbid North? Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, they've been around for a long time. Uh, they had like a five or six year break. They were like straight death metal. They had a full length album called Orogeny in 2011. Then they had some lineup changes and they're more like of a grindy death doom style thing. Now they released an album earlier this year. They're pretty sick. But you, fair enough, man. And I encourage the listeners to check that out. And you say the singer relocated to Texas as well. Yeah. So uh, they moved down in like 2007 as a band, and he just has been down here ever since. Is that some sort of like common pipeline trajectory type of thing for for people to re- relocate to Texas from Alaska? Dude, not at all. That's such okay. a weird happenstance that like this dude I grew up with is also a metal guy still going. Cause you know, we're 37 years old. So it's like for people to still be actively participating in a scene and like making music, you know, so many people fall out and like real life gets in the way, you know? So to have him and, and he's like a really talented, skilled producer too. So to have him kind of just like a text message away to help us out is super rad. That's excellent, man. Yeah, small world, man. That's cool. I I caught that real quick. I wanted to um, ask you about that. Another thing I caught, um, you didn't you didn't get past me with the fact that you and your drummer are speed running speed runners of video <laughs> games. Which, is my understanding, is that's when you play a, a specific video game. I would imagine one of those like side scrollers would be like the good example, like as fast as possible, running through the whole level mm-hmm. without falling through any of the pitfalls or, or anything yep. of the, of these games. All right. Talk about that. How do you get into that from just being a normal gamer? Man. So my, my pipeline to that was honestly when I quit my band in Alaska and like was kind of in a, you know, time where I'm trying to figure out like better hobbies, doing other stuff. And I just kind of stumbled into that. Cause I used I collect like old video games and uh you know just found some youtube videos and was like damn this is pretty cool and would play like contra on nes and shit like that and it was just like it'd be cool to play this game really fast and so i actually met justin online when i still lived in alaska and i didn't know that he lived where i was moving and we just happened to meet up and kind of connected that way um 
we him and i have some co-op world records still <laughs> like right now so we do some of that stuff i'm actually going to sweden in like two weeks to do some speed run shit like my buddy runs a charity event over there so we're going over there to to like showcase some stuff no way okay so <laughs> that's this is very interesting to me because it's like it's like almost like you're touring with your speed like as a speed run speed runner video gaming enthusiast right. <laughs> i don't know what the right terminology is but what uh, so what are some games now you have a, do you have like a there's like like a specialized like game system console or specialized like games tell like tell me how it breaks down because you have you can't learn how to speed run every game no man and, and that's the thing is like any and every game you could ever think of no matter how dumb it is somebody's done a speed run most likely so um i would say like justin dude he's had the felix the cat world record on and off from nes since like 2006 like that's like his shit you know and uh for me i mean i've i've been around it for like 10 years i haven't i'm not like active that much anymore just because of the band stuff but like my games are definitely like brave fencer musashi on playstation one that was like the game i was kind of having world records in and shit like that so yeah man wow so do you have you traveled often for this to like different tournaments and conventions yeah i mean we i know uh there's a couple different like big meetups and like i hosted one at my house for like five or six years that like that's how i met my friend from sweden because he flew to my house to like play a game and so i did that for a long time and then there's like a couple different ones, like in California, uh, Minnesota, Washington, D.C., and then this one in Sweden. And I know there's uh, Justin's really involved in the uh, video game music scene. So there's people that do like really high quality covers of video game music stuff. So he goes there's Magfest over on the East Coast and like he goes over there and his band will play like pretty big shows, dude, like over a thousand people and shit it's pretty crazy what's the name of his band uh right now he's in a band called super high tops and uh yeah they do like toe jam and earl medleys and sonic the hedgehog and stuff like that they have they have shit on uh youtube okay man sick all right i just wanted to i wanted to get into that a little bit man that's awesome yeah man for sure that's definitely something a little different that we don't talk about every day i Mike, shout out to my cousin Rob, man. He's a big, big supporter of all my metal stuff and, and the podcast and everything. He's way more of a video game than than I am, uh, video game guy than I am, man. I still though would I have like a um, allegedly have some little bootleg sim box thing that has like a million bootleg Nintendo and and uh, uh, Sega games on it, and I'll rip out like the Mario three and the and yeah, Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog, some of the classics sometimes, man. But the idea of speed running a video game gives me anxiety, dude. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds like trying to learn how to play double bass or something. It sounds hard, man. Dude, you got to put in time and practice, and, like, it's crazy how invested people get. All right, man. So um, getting – now, you mentioned traveling, getting – steering back towards the death metal uh, side of things. You guys um, did manage to get out on the road a little bit this summer. That's kind of where you and I crossed paths for the first time was, like – I was about midway through a tour, and you were. It was actually the first day of your guys' tour. Was the um the CS Jam, 
uh, collapsing sun jam out there in St. Paul, Minnesota. You were touring with Wretched Inferno and Bonginator. Yeah, man, we we did a couple shows leading up, just like you know, Texas to Minnesota is a trek. So yeah, yeah. we uh, got a couple before we went up there, met up with those dudes, and basically, like our plan originally was just to go back to Texas, go up, kind of do a one off thing, hit some shows on the way back, and we got hooked up with them. And they just hopped on with us, and we ended up making a tour out of it. It was super sick. <laughs> yeah, I, one thing I'm I'm reviewing the routing here. I don't know if you and I discussed this, but the day after CS Jam, you ended up at X Ray Arcade in Milwaukee. Um, I right off the top of my head, it escapes me, but I think we went to Iowa the next day, and then we went to the the arcade. I know routing can be so difficult with with different tours trying right. to hook up, but yeah, it would have been sick if we could have done the arcade together. Um, oh man yeah I, it seemed like the tour y'all were on with us like because we played iowa the day before cs jam yeah and you played milwaukee so we kind of like just went like you played here then we played the day after you know so we just kind of and everywhere we went people were like oh i just went to this exsanguinated mutilated show the other night it was super cool like people were talking about it so y'all left an impression for sure Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not fishing for that, man. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was even before you mentioned the speed running and the video game talk. I was going to ask you about your experience at X Ray Arcade because for the listeners who don't know, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the X Ray Arcade is a venue uh, and a bar. They have food and they have the wall lined when you walk in with old fashioned arcade games. I would say from my generation. I'm 41. Um, and, and, and give or take a few years with some of the games. I, I was, I was playing the, um, uh, the Terminator two game, uh, the shooter, that, that thing that talking about a game, giving you anxiety, but I wanted to know about your experience there, man. It was super cool, man. That place was like everything you want in an underground death metal venue, to be honest. Like the crowd was super hungry first. They were just getting it immediately. The vibe was super cool. So like you said, all the arcade games were there and we were definitely sampling everything we could when we had time. Simpsons bowling was like a big hit with everybody <laughs> we were on. We were getting after that for sure. Um, I actually didn't do that much in the venue. Uh, I met up with a buddy there. Like I'm into collecting vintage band shirts and there's a dude that I've traded with for years in Milwaukee and, uh, that was the first time I met up with him. So we were kind of bullshitting and I brought him a shirt and we were kind of meeting up. So shout out Ben. <laughs> okay, man. Uh, yeah. The, um, I never did Simpsons bowling. I have a surprising amount of time invested in, in Krusty's Funhouse for, for the original NES. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you remember that, man. It's a good game, nope. but, um, uh, the vintage shirt thing, man, what do you, what do you got? Like, what are, what's like your most like, crazy uh uh vintage shirt that you that you've collected also. man so like I, right now i'm getting a bunch of grave shirts like grave is my favorite swedish death metal band so huh. i have like a bunch like i was thinking about on our next tour like only wearing grave shirts because i definitely could rock them for like a couple weeks um but probably the the gnarliest one i have is like a gore guts considered dead that is the nicest vintage shirt I own, but it also happens to be like a super rare one. And uh, yeah. I've, I busted that one out when Carcass played in Austin and I, I might've staged dove in it. I almost regretted that at the end of the night, but yeah, that, that one definitely is a, a killer, man. 
this day and age with the merch collecting is funny, man. I used to, our shout to our um uh, uh Justin from our production team, man. Still working behind the scenes. He used to do. He used to be on the mic a lot in the early days of the podcast, and I would bust his balls because he was collecting like the the blue great merchandising, like death yep. jam shorts from the eighties and shit, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, dude, I, I'm I just got jokes. I'm not hating on anybody, man. It's a it's a it's a fun culture, the collector thing, and I, I you know I can't hate because it's it's. I, I I can't justify my vinyl and cassette collection and all that sort of thing if I'm going to um, uh, hate on somebody for collecting T-shirts and that sort of thing. It's all kind of nostalgia, collector style. Um, now, you mentioned shows. Do you guys have anything coming up that you want to plug in terms of playing live? Yeah, for sure. We got a run coming up in August, the 24th through the 27th. We're doing uh new orleans little rock springfield and dallas with the homies in flesh rot and uh congealed putrescence from new orleans so that's going to be a crazy run that we're doing with those guys um we're got some other stuff we haven't announced yet but we'll be playing more in like november and then at the beginning of the year we got some stuff coming up too okay fair enough man and um uh we'll get back to that you can plug anything else are there any other projects anything else you're working on that you might want to um talk about at this point man not really like it's pretty much at this point we're just going full steam with left to rot and trying to see where we can go what we can do just keep hanging out with the homies and putting out new stuff as much as we can you know Fair enough, man. And if the listeners want to bang their head against uh, a, a cave, a, the inside of a cave wall, they can check out uh, Breath of the Tomb EP, um, which should be out. It might be out um, by the time they listen to this, if not around then. It's going to be August 1st, right? Yeah, that's right. It'll be out on digital. We'll have some physical releases. Uh, we are going to, I'm going to print some tapes and bring them on that run in August, like just a limited run that we're going to do just specifically for that. So. If you're out and about at those shows, definitely snag one. But we should have some like physical stuff coming out before the end of the year for sure. Fair enough. And people can check out. Um, I know I used Bandcamp or whatever whatever streaming platform people use. They could look for the, the single already dead, uh, as well as your Requiem single and your original demo from 2021. Um, that being said, we're going to ask you now the typical heavy hole uh, winding down question. Can you recommend one older release and one newer release from any band you like, any genre you like? Just something to recommend for me and the listeners. For sure. Um, I, man, I've been really into this album from a band called Luciferion. They have an album called Demonication, The Manifest. They are a Swedish death metal band doing American style death metal. Uh, Spotify says 1997, but that album came out in 1994. And there's some like weird connections to the scene, like Carnage's original bass player that played on their 1988 demo formed this band and like plays on it and did multi-instrumentational stuff on the recording. Um, but yeah, dude, that album, it sounds like if Deicide and Morbid Angel like formed a band together. Okay, and what was that? That was Luciferion? Yeah, Luciferion, Demonication. Demonication. What year was that? Do you have that offhand? 94. Okay, 94, man. Interesting. The, I, the I best that. year in death metal. Mm, that's... <laughs> I. You know what, man? Personally, I, go, I always say 91. That's but, fair, yeah. But, you know, I always, like, honestly, I feel like... I, 
I feel like 94 is still right. 95, I would have to question. So it's like it's it's really it's kind of like I feel it's actually like somewhere between like eighty nine and ninety four is probably like the best era. You know what I mean? But yeah, if like if yeah. somebody if somebody was like, "Yo, nineteen ninety five was it for death metal?" I would have to be, I would I would have to break it down for him a little bit. Like I don't I, <laughs> like what what facts are you using? What what alternative well, facts are you using? I'll make the pitch for ninety four because Graves' Soulless album came out in ninety four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carcass was touring Heartwork in 94. Entombed was on the Wolverine Blues tip in 94. Morbid Angel was out, and they were getting ready to release Domination, which is their best album. Come at me, everybody. Um, So it was just like all the bands that were dropping stuff in the early 90s had become refined and cut their teeth. So they were playing all their old material out on tour with all their new stuff that musically was like a little more skilled you know so to me that's like where it really just kind of reached its peak and dude cannibal corpse in 94 come on fair enough man although i i like the reasoning there's a lot of logic behind that you're that's a that's a taste tasteful opinion i like that take i will say if that's the take that like you know they're established they'd all drop their hot albums 91 92 now they're they're really ready out there cutting their teeth they're touring hard i like these guys better broke and stoned in their mom's basement <laughs> releasing effigy of the forgotten <laughs> all right that's all i'll just leave it at that that's uh, fair yeah <laughs> up, at, up at little caesar's pizza after rehearsal <laughs> um uh uh but but yeah fair enough man um uh and uh the the newer newer recommendation yeah so i mean there's so much good music coming out now and uh so many friends are putting out stuff so i feel bad leaving people out but Uh, There is a release that I feel like a lot of people missed that is exceptional. And it's a a UK-based band, Vaticinal Rights. And they dropped in late 2021 a self-titled EP. And uh, Caligari Records, in collaboration with Redefining Darkness, put it out on tape. And, uh, man, that is just like no bullshit, knock you over the head, death metal and they're working on some new stuff and uh yeah if you don't know vaticinal rights man you better get to know because those dudes are the real deal man what was the name again vaticinal rights vaticinal rights i knew i was gonna mispronounce that vaticinal rights r-i-t-e-s fair enough self-titled on redefining darkness and caligari records you said right yeah okay all right, fair enough, man. We'll check that out. As we will uh, encourage the listeners to check out all the music we talked about in this conversation, including your demo, your single Requiem from from uh, last year, and, of course, the uh, Breath of the Tomb, the, the latest EP you guys have released. Uh, the Already Dead single is out now, as you and I are discussing this. The EP it's, itself will be out in its entirety the 1st of August, 2023. Um, we'll tell people to check you out on social media for those shows the 24th through the 27th of August uh, with Flesh Rot and Congealed Putrescence. I wrote that down. I remember that second one, man. Yeah. Shout out to those guys. Sick band name. Um, Check I, them out, too, if you yeah. haven't, man. They just dropped a 7-inch for 
uh, a little release they did. And that band is just like nasty, vile, putrid, underground, gurgling death, you know? So it's it would be right up your alley for sure. They got me with the name. I'll admit it, man. There's something about the the conge- There's something about certain like the the J the congeal. It's like sounds gross, just as a word, man. But regardless, um, Jason, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. And was I'll ask you again. Was there anything I failed to bring up, uh, or anything else that you want to plug or promote before we get out of here, man? Uh, no, man. I thanks for having me on. I've been, uh, this is actually, you've been my most listened to podcast on Spotify for three years in a row. So super stoked to be on, but, um, I'll just say, keep an eye out. I do have a festival I'm putting together in Austin next year. Going to be announcing it around September. Uh, I'm super stoked on it, on the bands that are going to be playing. So keep an eye out for that. I also want to just shout out uh, Austin Metal on the come up. People talk about Texas a lot, and it's basically like Dallas-Fort Worth. Everybody knows that they're going hard, and they got a bunch of really good established bands. But there's so many bands in Texas on the come up right now that are just pushing and going extremely hard. So, uh, you know, from Houston, we got Corpse Pile. Those dudes are filthy and just like slam stupid beat down fuck your life metal they call it uh san antonio has a bunch of dudes on that come up like uh the slaughter swamp boys uh, i'm sure you've probably seen their name around they're definitely making moves in the scene and then austin man we got bands like saint peeler who's out on the road with creeping death right now just like a kind of fast hardcore death metal hybrid Bands like Death File Red, there's a uh, Feed Your Body to the Void. Uh, I, dude, there's so many people on the come up right now just going hard that aren't from Dallas. And the Dallas scene just does such a good job of bringing up all their bands and putting on for them. But there's people in Austin, man, that are just doing the damn thing and and really, truly like DIY style and you know, on the grind. So we always salute those people and, and try to put on for them, man. Yeah, dude, I, I've uh, I've been to Texas many times and performed in Texas at, at various venues and cities, man. I've always had a good time down there in, in Austin and in Dallas and um, looking forward to getting back down there one way or another, man. So uh, with that being said, we, we wish you the best of luck with all your endeavors going forward from video games um, to Left to Rot and your uh, brand new EP that's uh, going to be out August 1st, Breath, uh, August 1st, Breath of the Tomb. Um, and with that being said, any final messages to listeners of your music and listeners of our podcast? I got to say, by the way, thank you for your listenership and support of the podcast. I didn't want to let that go and said thank you for the compliment, man. We really appreciate that, as I appreciate all the listenership. It's not always easy for me to keep on top of and keep in touch with everybody on all the different social media platforms, man. But I do appreciate all of our listeners. So I just wanted to get that out of there, man. But yeah, th- um, thank you very much for your time, man. And any final messages to um, listeners of your music and listeners of our podcast? Yeah, I think the the big thing is just if you are hesitating to start a band or get into the death metal scene at all, just dive in, go for it. People are going to be supportive. It is intimidating because there's people that have been just putting out nasty shit for 20 years. And that's, you know, who you like and who you see. Um, If people do check out our demo, you will absolutely notice like, oh man, this is uh, not like as heavy as the EP and they kind of don't know what they're doing. And the truth is we didn't at all. And uh, 
that's probably going to be my favorite record we ever do because if we didn't go out and do that we never would have gotten to any kind of point that we are now and just like pushing and progressing and playing cool shows it's just such like a stepping stone to get yourself out there and just start playing shows and hitting up bands and you know if you're worried about booking a show just hit up a band that you like locally Hmm. nine out of ten people are going to support it and be like new band hell yeah so we always want to see people start bands and just start putting new music out there, man. Cause there's, there's no reason not to. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, you said a mouthful there. I would just add to that. Um, in, in terms of hitting up local people and people being supportive, man, once you get your ball in motion, um, and you, and you stay in motion, uh, uh, you know, it, you, you become a force, um, uh, to, to be reckoned with in terms of your local scene and beyond, man. And what I mean by that is you got to put in the work and um, put in your own promotion. And, I, you know, I'm not going to beat my old dead horse about, um, you know, DIY and doing it yourself and all that sort of thing, but I think that's what we're getting at here is, uh, like he said, don't be afraid to jump in, you know? Absolutely, man. Yeah, dude. Um, so, Jason, thank you very much for your time, man. We're going to be on the lookout for you, um, not just in the gaming scene now, but also with left, <laughs> left, left to Rot, man. Uh, cheers, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you, Will. transition was fucking fucking cake that was great <laughs> like says about a step and then just went from there bro i you're talking about steps you're talking about cake i feel like we got it this is too close to like a, a visit with my doctor all right <laughs> I, I let me slow down man I, I made enough fat guy jokes and old guy jokes in the last episode we're dropping two episodes today by the way i don't know if i mentioned that shout to tom uh, and the rest of our production team and Justin and all of them, man, we're get we're getting business done out here. Um, big shout out to Jason Dalkey from Left to Rob, man. We appreciate him. Now, Dave, in absentia of an album recommendation, you have something uh, that I wanted to exploit for content. I thought the listeners might get a little kick out of this. You have a database of VHS. Uh, videos from a, a storied time in death metal history when this was the only way to record and share these type of things. Am I, is that my accurate so far? Yeah, yeah, more or less. I um, I started uh, filming shows, death metal shows, back in the late nineties, early two thousands, and I filmed bands, and then I also uh, did like the the VHS version of tape trading. So I have in pretty extensive collection of of, of uh, live concerts, uh, bootleg videos of um of various bands of extreme, you know, death metal, grindcore, black metal, fuck whatever. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. That is sick, because um, people, you know, with all this talk of 
uh, OSDM and people resurrecting these old bands, old bands coming back, reissues. It's all back. I love it, too. We just did a whole thing about this harmonic orchestra last time. Um, I buy the reissues, too. I love it, too. Here's the thing. Some of these, this is like an aspect. I feel like the zine culture is something that isn't really appreciated or maybe, like, credited as much nowadays um, because it, it doesn't come back. You know what I mean? Social media is kind of maybe taking that place for a lot of people. And this idea that people, because I know what you're talking about. I remember there would be guys with, like, 20 to 30 page photocopied lists that went on and on and on and everything like from like Iron Maiden and Slayer and the big bands to like uh bands that guys like you and me would be interested in like in Satanity or Dead End or whatever the fuck from back in the day um I have a few of these I'd have to go through my collection and see what remains I have I, there were some that were lost to time and, and maybe to friends along the way but your list is bananas do you actually is this all in storage like how much physical space does this collection take up uh it doesn't it it honestly doesn't take up a ton of space i have like a couple of sort of like you know th th those like plastic totes uh storage bins that i have everything in it's not like uh you know it, it it's not so much like each each physical VHS tape has like anywhere from like three to six or eight shows on it. So it's not like I, I it's not like I have like a single tape for each uh, concert. So it does fit pretty well into the uh, like the shelves in my in my office. Okay, so we're gonna run through now just for the listeners enough. Enough beating around the bush. I want to go down this list for the listeners to get an idea of this, and they're going to agree with me after this that you probably should do a YouTube channel. Share That's, some of this meat with the It's in the works. Right off the bat <laughs> of your alphabetized database of VHS uh, pirated live performances. No. Uh, 420. Um February 26, 2000, Castle Heights, New York, 30 minutes, master. That, so that, when it says master, I assume that means you were there. Yeah, yeah, that, that means that I filmed it myself. Wow, yeah, so let's talk about that for a minute, because 420, if people don't realize, is the band that had Matt Ferrara of Reputilation and Internal Bleeding, rest in peace to him, and George Torres of Dehumanized. Yeah, and that was that was a that was a cool show. It was they were opening for Lividity, which it was like mm -hmm. their only time playing New York, if memory serves. Uh, and it was Matt Ferrara and Chris Matiuk were the guitar players. Brian Hobby from of Internal Bleeding fame uh, played bass, and uh, George Torres on drums. And a uh, fucking great time. They played a lot of great songs. They played one of the songs was like a. I forget the name of the song, but it was like a repudiation song that they sort of it like rolled it into the uh, the four twenty repertoire. Huh. But uh, the one of the funny parts of the video was Brian Hobby was headbanging, and he his hair got stuck on the tuning pegs of Matt's guitar, and that's like a sting on stage. Like he was like like yanking his hair out of the 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 tuning mm -hmm. pegs while they were playing 
Uh, Very entertaining. Poor Brian. Poor Brian. He's the fucking best. Poor Brian, dude. Yeah, shout to Brian. Um, yeah, that alone right there would be worth a lot to to a lot of um, a lot of fans out there that have since celebrated, you know, the 420 legacy. That's kind of had its own cult following. Uh, and I I want to keep moving here because there's a lot here. I don't think we're gonna finish the list. I think we're gonna probably end up doing a couple of letters and maybe have to do another chapter of Dave's videos uh, on another episode because. Like, you know, I see, like, like dude, Absu, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I assume that's probably a Milwaukee Metal Fest, 97, Absu, uh, Abuse, British Columbia, Canada, yeah. Acid Bath. But again, Acid, like, these are, you know, those are things that, like, the listeners are like, okay, how about this? You got two different agents of Satan shows, one in Denver, one in California, one's from 97, one you don't know. Agents of Satan, that's a relatively obscure but sick power violence band. I think they were from Cali. Yeah, they, they were like, I think some of the guys were in uh, plutocracy, if memory serves. I'm not like a, an expert uh, uh, historically on that kind of stuff, but um, that would make sense. Uh, kind of similar similarities in the sound a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't know personally. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, that struck me. Anal blasts. Uh, from November twenty seven ninety four, River Grove, Illinois, featuring Slipknot member. Question mark. Yeah, that was a, a a stab in the dark for me. I um, I knew that Anal Blast had like a member or two from Slipknot. I just kind of was like time frame wise, I was like, it, it seems like it makes sense. Yeah. I just kind of was was making notes like, you know, if anybody, and and this was like like for my like my my trading list that I would like send to people. So like just to sort of like spark a little more interest in. <laughs> in various stuff like that you know like i i kind of was like all right you know it's maybe it's the guy from like one of the guys from slipknot i've no you know i'm not sure exactly but uh it was a guess now these are all like 25 minutes 30 minutes 18 minutes when some when you were making a tape for somebody what do they got like four hour vhs tapes or something back in the day well yeah so vhs there was different speeds so you could do it at two, two hours was like the, the, the fastest speed. And that was like the best quality, but then you could either set your VCR to record it at four hours or six hours. And like the, the quality, the, the, the video quality would go down like a little bit, but like, you know, it's not um, like not super noticeable, but like, you know, most of the time when I was doing like video, like, video trays or something like that. I do a two hour tape, but like depending on if someone had like a like an amazing list. And like, you know, like, like the way you would do a video trade was like, I don't know, it's probably the same with audio tapes, but like, you know, if you do like tape for tape. So like if the guy that you're trading with only has only is interested enough in like one like like two hours of video that you have then you have to come up with two hours. You have to like pare down your want list to like two hours of what he wants. Yeah. 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 Bartering. So like, you know, sometimes somebody wants, you know, a ton of your stuff and you have a little more like leniency, but, um, so it kind of depended that way. Like, you know, you, you could trade, you know, like one VHS that's four hours long, two VHS that are two hours long each to, 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 total four hours um 
et cetera, et cetera. So like it's it's kind of like a math game, depending on kind of what you you know, if you taught someone you agree on it, kind of like, hey, we'll do a two hour VHS trade, like you know, wherever the speed is, um, then you sort of have to like then look at the stuff you want and be like do the math and like the the, the run times. It's complicated, man, back in the day. And you're working off of this black and white photocopied sheet, man. Now I'm I wanna keep moving here. You got is it Asuk or Asuk? I've always heard different pronunciations. I think it's Asuk. That's the the, the last one I uh the last one I heard. Now this is interesting. You got one from ninety and one from ninety seven. It's like both both ends of the spectrum with that band, man. Um uh Black Army Jacket ninety seven in Philly. Shout out to Black Army Jacket, man. Check out check out the the reissue they just put out on um State of My Records. Um what else you got, man? Bloodlet in Rockville Center. Oh, we oh you taped that. So you saw Bloodlet in Rockville Center in two thousand two? Yeah, you know, actually I didn't I didn't go to that show. I actually I, I handed the camera off to my brother because he was I forget who else played. It was Bloodlet and I think Uphill Battle, like the 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 real ass band. Yeah, I remember seeing them. They were, they were good. They yeah. they played, and Trevor just he like volunteered. He's like, I know you want me to film these bands. I was like, Yeah, sure. So he like brought my camera and like filmed the bands. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it was he really enjoyed the show. It was a good show. Yeah, dude, Uphill Battle. Uh, all right. So and we got Brodokin. In 2000, and then again in 2001 at Castle Heights. I love that you got all the Castle Heights stuff going on. Um, and I'm looking here now. Uh, you got a whole bunch of Burnt by the Sun masters at CBGBs. I guess I, Burnt by the Sun just played CBGBs a lot, huh? Yeah, they were there every couple of months for, for a while. They were That was like when they were super active. So they were like, you know, realist bands back then, they, they, they would really push them to tour, so... And the fact that that Burned by the Sun was like a, a a New Jersey band, I think they they kind of were like like an on call band for for just any local shows like that. Fair enough, fair enough, man. I'm looking here now. We got Charles Bronson, Circle of Dead Children, uh, in Pittsburgh, and then at C, again at CBGB's CBT at the um, Ohio Death Fest. Commit suicide at CBGB's, bro. It's like I said, man. We're just gonna—you're just gonna hear the same thing over and over again. You gotta do a YouTube channel now. Now it's now the cat's out of the uh, bag with the listeners. Um, yeah, add him to the list. Jeez, everyone's asking me to, to has been asking me to digitize this shit for like a decade, and it's just like as much as I want to do it, it's it's like it's hard to do, and I have like a lot of other shit on my plate, so it's on the list. Obviously, obviously, obviously. I love this. You got Demolich, 10.05.91, Cupio, uh, Finland, 29 minutes. Is that the one where they're playing in, like, some ridiculously big stage? It looks like a, like, like a theater stage outdoors, and you can't really hear anything? Yeah. 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 I, I remember, like, I, I heard the band, and I was kind of like, this shit is sick. And then I saw, like, someone had a video, and I was like, oh, I got to have that. And I got it, and I was like... Man, these guys suck live. <laughs> the video from I I had it. I don't know if I still actually have the one with that because I it might have been some of the same. It might have been the same person you were dealing with at some point. But um, I I got a few of those videos where you would like line up the math on how long on how what video what what we want from each band. But I got that Demolich video. Yeah, I was very disappointed because it was like from very far away. The audio was shot. It was, you know, it, it wasn't the best thing. I'd like to go back and revisit it and 
give, give it a second. There was no like mystique or anything. It wasn't like a cool, like in in like a cool club with like, you know, good lighting or anything like that. Yeah. It really was like, not, not great. It looked like a bunch of kids just like playing in their town or something. Yeah. But shout out to Demolich, man. They've obviously done uh, big things since man. We, we appreciate them, man. Um, Dave, with that being said, dude, there's a long list here. Um, like I want to, uh, maybe maybe we'll do like one or two more, man, before we cut it out for the listeners. But I want to bring this back as a segment because we go down memory lane, and you do have a few of the same as me, I think, besides that Demolich one, because this is bringing back memories of the, those lists. Um, I see you got a few, uh, uh, Dillinger escape plan. Do you actually have? Oh, you have a few. Well, you have a disassociate from back in the day. They're back now. Discordance axis, man. This is nuts. And the disfigured stuff you got to bring out. This is what I mean, dude. I, if I keep talking, man, the listeners are going to come and, and hunt you down. You got entorchment, rehearsal with vomit remnants. Please explain that. So that that video is, it was shot by vomit remnants when they were in the States for the, the Ohio Death Fest in 99 when they first kind of broke in the States. And I forget why, like what the what the story was why they kind of linked up with the entorchment guys but it's like they like like it's it's, it's an entorchment practice that that uh if memory serves that that Bob Remus was just there they were like shooting it like they filmed it because they're you know Kasuki like who's a, a person I traded with actually I traded a lot of videos with him uh the drummer from uh Bob Remnitz, but um I, I don't think they play on it. Like it's been a while since I've watched that video, but like they were like there and they were like super duper geeking out on like entorchment and just like, you know, Long Island death metal shit. Just guys guys and wife beaters driving around Lynbrook. <laughs> Pretty much, you know. Oh boy, man. Um I was there. Shout out to Entorchment, shout out to Vomit Remnants. Like I said, Dave, you got a lot here. I want to maybe keep going through this um, next time we have you back. Uh, but shout, shout to shout to Jason Dalkey of um, <clears throat> Left to Rot from Austin, Texas. We encourage people to check out their new EP, Breath of the Tomb, uh, dropping August 1st, 2023. You can check out the Already Dead single uh, that's out now, as we talked about with Jason. We appreciate him. Dave, I appreciate this video conversation. This is interesting to me. I might have to go to the thrift store and buy two VCRs and link them up, and you and me will have our own little bootleg thing going on. Dude, I got three of them. You want one? <laughs> what, VCRs? Yeah. All right, we'll talk. We're going to talk after I hit All right. pause on this. But uh, thank you very much to you, man. And like I said, man, this episode, we should have a doubleheader dropping. If you're still listening and you're listening on point, on time, when real time, when it drops, you can still catch us reeking aura, that is, with False Gods and Replicant at Quinn's Pins in Middletown, New York, tonight, upstate New York, uh, and at The Nail in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, um, with Replicant and False Gods. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Ardmore, Pennsylvania, that's going to be July the 15th. Uh, you thought I wasn't going to remember it, but I did. So, um, beyond that, man, Dave, you're coming out on the road with me, whether you like it or not. Uh, we're going to kidnap you away from your family, like that movie Old School, and get you in the van, and you're going to be playing bass for, uh, Reeking Ore all the way down to Florida and back with Pyrexia and Atoll. I encourage people to check it out on social media. All the shows are being announced now. Please support the bands. Come and check us out if you're down there in the Carolinas, if you're down there in Georgia, if you're down there in Florida, um, if you're down there in Delaware, uh, and we're doing a bunch of New Jersey stuff too, man. Keep your eyes peeled, man. So, Dave... 
Thanks for your time, brother. I appreciate you joining me today. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, and when it comes to this, um, uh, these this extensive database, this list of videos you have, you got to get them up on YouTube every single one. Day.